Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fisted ahead and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So uh, how goes it, Seabass? Uh, pretty good. You know, our uh, our spring league wrapped up. Um, one of our teams won, won that quote-unquote championship. Um, so that was fun. Um, it was made for a long day, though. I think we started off at the rink at 9.30, and I left. I was home around midnight, so... But it was fun. Got to see uh, a lot of good, young, talented kids play hockey from you know our team and other teams, and uh, just kind of taking a little break right now and uh, going to enjoy a vacation here in three weeks or so, and uh, working on the nursery, doing that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of been a nice slower pace. What about you? No, that all sounds good, man. Uh, yeah, here. Um, actually, I did forget the beginning of this episode to mention this is an unedited special edition quick drop episode. So y'all are listening to this within an hour of us actually recording it. Um, so, you know, all I'll do is add the puck noise and you get to hear every other thing we say on this podcast, every single mistake and all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, as for me, we're entering, you know, we're, we're definitely in a massive tourist city. So the tourists have come out full flock. So we're looking to kind of escape Copenhagen. Um, as long as I'm not working. Uh, so this next week I took off and we're going to just be kind of doing like some Danish German type trips. So uh, we're going to do some local stuff outside of Copenhagen proper um, tomorrow. And then we'll head to Germany for a couple of days and we'll come back and we'll do another thing inside Copenhagen proper, but more on the water. It's a uh, it's a volunteer kayaking cleanup thing where basically you don't have to pay for a kayak. You just you're given a kayak and you just required to pick up garbage um uh during your kayaking experience for an hour and 45 minutes so that's cool and then uh again we'll do another thing outside of copenhagen proper uh probably saturday because then i i start work again on sunday and then two out of those three weeks i'm working full weeks and we took a break week in between uh because my counterpart wanted a full week um so we're probably just going to take off to norway and go hiking and i'm gonna hope i don't die on any of those like overhangs looking at fjords but uh, yeah uh pretty exciting summer coming up um you know so i'm excited so who knows where i'm going to be editing or recording these podcasts from over the next uh couple months man yeah i mean it sounds like a lot of fun you know get out and explore while you're there that's for sure yeah, that's that's the goal because we don't know how long we're going to be here. We never really do. We could, we could be leaving Copenhagen in six months. We could be here in six years. We really don't have a clue. Uh, we've just got to, at this point with the way the world's going, you just got to take every day one at a time and just enjoy what you got. Um, but uh, this is an episode where we and you or you and I wanted to actually just kind of talk about all the crazy things that went down on draft day uh the trades some of the signings um you know maybe give some rumors or some of the conjecture out there and uh that's that's what we wanted to jump on and do and before that i actually wanted to quickly touch on some of the kids that have signed in what i call usphl west over the last uh, i don't know last time we talked about it i can't remember it was, it's been a couple weeks and um unless you guys are releasing it on twitter i don't have it so uh as for bakersfield they don't have anything the bellingham blazers have signed forward ethan franzen the 2003 out of the united states uh fresno and idaho haven't had any new signings whereas las vegas thunder and here you go for those of you that like hearing me struggle through French Canadian anything. Um, Las Vegas just keeps targeting Quebec, and they have signed Felix Payet, the 2005 out of I'm guessing it's Lange Guardian, Quebec. That sounds hey, uh, horrible. Yeah, you're you're, you're close. <laughs> oh, Quebec. Um, you know, possibly Quebec is probably my future home here, not too far off. So I'm gonna have to definitely get used to not slaughtering french canadian names if i want to make friends there um and then we got the was it northern colorado eagles have signed a few forwards they signed re-signed quinn o'reilly the 2002 out of wichita kansas alexander bedard the 2003 out of saint augustine de desmarais quebec <laughs> do, do you recognize that one um 
I'd have to I'd have to see it, but yeah, I mean yeah. it's probably Demorier. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, Alex. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, fortunately, the super hard one, Hogan Boyle, the 2003 out of Boulder, Colorado. I swear I almost screwed that up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's with no go. Uh, the Ogden Mustangs haven't signed anybody. Uh, the Ontario Reign or the Ontario Junior Reign have signed another couple forwards. Ethan McKibben, the 2002 out of Chestermere, Alberta. And Nicholas, I'm going to guess it's Philo. The 2004 Filo. out of Cudworth, Saskatchewan. Is that that about right, Nicholas Philo? Yeah, that's about right. I, I tried. Um, the Provo Predators, the newly renamed Provo Predators, the newly owned Provo Predators, uh, they have not announced any signings. The Pueblo Bulls, they haven't announced any signings. The Rock Springs Prospectors have signed a couple. So they've signed Matt Patone, the 2002 out of Mississauga. And Yanni, and I'm going to go with Setsalas, Yanni Setsalas, the 2005 out of Canada, and then Kevin Milliken. Um, and I don't have any birth year or location on where Kevin is from. Uh, all I have is that uh, he had a really short season because he sustained a season ending injury last year. So, welcome back to hockey, Kevin. It's, you know, rehab and everything's been worth it. You're back on the ice. Uh, the Rogue Valley Royals haven't signed anybody. The San Diego Sabres has signed goaltender Ethan Blackburn, the 2000 through, um, or I guess the 2002 out of Boulder, Colorado, as well as forwards Maxime Labelle, the 2005 out of Quebec, and Connor Gornson, the 2003 out of Calgary. The, let's see, the Seattle Junior Totems haven't announced anything. The Utah Outliers haven't announced anything. And finally, the Vernal Oilers have signed a few players, including defenseman Tanner Flitton, the 2005 out of Vernal, Utah, so a local kid. Uh, O'Shea Redcrow, the 2003 out of Siksika, Alberta. And Corvin Van Leuven, the 2003, again, another local kid out of Vernal, Utah. So congratulations to all of you who have signed in the USPHO West. Looking forward to seeing what you're going to be doing this season. And I will say to any of the teams listening to this podcast, uh, it's going to be a busy season. We have a lot of teams reaching out. We're going to be covering a lot of teams and uh, if you want your players recognized, you want great plays recognized, you want great saves recognized. We love great saves. I'm a goalie. Reach out to us. Let us know that those are there because otherwise we won't see them. I've had a lot of people reaching out with great saves and great goals from the last year as we've been counting down our top 75 saves and top 75 goals in 75 days. And, uh, it's just too late to fit them all in. Uh, so if you want your players to get recognized, reached out. We'd love to have you on the podcast. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to your players. We'd love to talk to your staff. Um, reach out if you're from one of these teams in the USPHL West or beyond. If you're in the USPHL or a different team or a different league, actually like the VIJHL or um, wherever you're at. If you're in Denmark, I'd love to definitely talk. So if you're a junior hockey team or a college hockey team, definitely reach out to us. We love talking to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, like we always say at the end of every episode, I mean, if you have something you want to share with us, jerseys, highlights, players, we should keep an eye on team. We should take an eye on new teams coming up, your favorite team, whatever it is. Shoot us a message. We're always happy to talk. Absolutely. And so that will shift us right in here to – what a draft, man. <laughs> like, I, I didn't get to see it live because, again, I was sleeping. Uh, so I found the only place I could actually kind of watch it live, but it got annoying in the middle, uh, was with Steve Dangle. Um, he was doing everything live, but by the time he got to the point where he was just, you know, interviewing all the players, uh, you really weren't seeing what was happening, and that's what I wanted to see. Uh, it was definitely great to hear from the the players that, just had that life-altering moment of being drafted in the NHL. But I would have still preferred a little bit more coverage of what was actually happening and who was being drafted. And, it, you know, be able to get to see those reactions. You want to see the family get excited and the player get excited or, you know, give the stink eye to a team that they thought would be drafting them. You want to see that. So, um, you know, beyond that, Steve Dangle is the only one I could get actually full coverage without some guy sitting in his basement uh, talking about it, not showing me anything because he doesn't have the rights like Dangle does. So um, that's how I got to do it. But, dude, I, I literally sat there for four hours watching the full thing with him, and I think it was Colby Armstrong. 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the uh, parents' reaction. Um, have you seen the video from the number 29 overall pick uh, out of the queue, Drummondville Maverick Lemaru? Have you seen his parents? I have not. His parents go on into a full-on French kiss on national television <laughs> after the kid gets drafted. So well, this they are kid French, has, right? I know, but this kid has literally been a meme because of that. Uh, he had oh. four goals, 20 assists, so everyone was like, ah, funny, 420. He had 69 penalty minutes, so ah, funny, 69. <laughs> um, so this kid has just got drafted, best day of his life, and just three different memes. It's like his parents just like <laughs> making out center stage. So, I mean, <laughs> I get they're excited, but wow. I mean, this poor kid, no one's going to remember that he got drafted. They're just going to remember his parents making out in his stats. So what... I guess we probably won't say the kid's name. People can look up uh, number twenty nine. But well, it's, it's Maverick yeah. Lamaru. He uh, okay, well, he got picked uh, out of the queue. He's a, uh, I mean, he's a good hockey player. It's just funny with uh, that. That's what he's going to be remembered for for draft day. Yeah, his parents just going right at it after. I mean, I get you're excited, but I mean, come on, just give the kiss and and move on and figure the rest out later. Watch him be like the next Timo Solani, and everyone's going to be re- remembering draft day like ten years yeah. later. <laughs> it's gonna be like, oh god. Anyway, you know what? Um, you know what I'm gonna remember draft day for though. What's that? I'm gonna remember um, Pierre Dorian kicking down the door in Chicago at the arena, pulling out his his imaginary gun, saying, "Give me all your money," and then taking Alex DeBrinket and only leaving them with three draft picks. Uh, that's what I'm gonna remember. That is literally. I don't know. What, I don't think he could have described it any better because when I saw that trade, I'm like, is Chicago okay? Like, I know, I mean, we all know it's not, but, um, dude, that was a steal. Absolute oh, wow. steal. Like, when I, I was it, like, dumbfounded. I Don't get me wrong. Like, seven, like, Ottawa's got a lot of prospects coming up and they've just always been rebuilding. So it's nice to see them move some assets and then, you know, try to get better right now. And I always joke because people are like, oh, I think it was the best pick. I said, well, when Ottawa stepped up to the podium and picked Alex Zabrinke to Chicago seventh overall, and they all laughed. But I'm like, that's pretty much what happened. I mean, they traded a seventh overall. Was it 39? I could be wrong on that one. It could be earlier than that. And you know, second yeah, yeah, I think it was like seven a, and 39. Yeah, and then like a third round in 2024. And then Montreal turns around and, and trades Romanov and a bunch of basically traded the same amount of picks and Romanov to get Kirby Dock at it. And don't get me wrong, Kirby Dock's going to be a great hockey player. He had an injury that kind of stalled him a little bit. But if you're Montreal, do you not feel a little ripped off that you almost traded the exact same thing for a guy who's got 19 uh-huh. goals in the last three years and DeBrinket's got 160 in the last three? Like, the, the trades just didn't make sense to me, but I was so happy to see Ottawa win that trade. Ottawa doesn't win a lot of trades. I mean, I'm a sense no. fan. I know this. I mean, we won the Carlson trade, and we'll you, talk about you, that. Yeah, the you day ripped I died. off San Jose. Yeah, that was great. But And then this trade, I mean, I, I was like, Pierre Dorian, I didn't know you had it in you. Like, he just always seems to be like, like for example, um, Hamannick at the start of the year, when, or at the, at the trade deadline when he traded a second or third or first one it was for a player that Vancouver's like, we just want to get rid of. At that point, I would have said, okay, I'll give you a second or a third, or your third, but I'm taking a second back as well as the player. Like, you gotta, you know, I'm taking on the salary, you gotta help me. But he just ripped himself off. So, um, it's just, it's just funny. And, and honestly, and this sounds bad, and I had this conversation with somebody. Um, things have seemed to be much better for the organization since the unfortunate passing of Melnick, uh, not having the owner involved in absolutely everything that goes on. Uh, seems to be helping the team. I mean, you know, Pierre, Pierre McGuire got fired literally the next day. Uh, he was rumored to be the one who pulled the trigger, basically, and said they had to pull the trigger on the Hamnick trade. So um, if you're an auto fan, you're listening, and you're excited as I am, I mean, things are looking up. A lot, a lot more chatter going on. Wednesday is coming around the corner with free agents. So um, that's all I'll say about the trade. I can go on about that trade forever. It got me excited. You know, you got a young 24-year-old, 24-year-old, 40-goal scorer. Uh, coming on to a, a young lineup. So, um, you know, again, Montreal made a trade. Got, got a young guy like Kirby Doc to go to their to their you know their team. And, and to me, I don't know if I'd get rid of Romanov, but they did, and it is what it is. They got some young defensemen coming through, through the core. But talking about Montreal, were you shocked about that first round, that first overall pick? Uh, I was, and I wasn't. I was because you just don't see it happening. It's the, the Shane Wright talk was everywhere. Um, I mean, almost everyone you listen to, every analyst, every pick, everyone was picking him or honestly, they're picking Cooley. And uh, but I mean, it wasn't like 
he wasn't selected for first overall. It wasn't like people were looking ab- beyond him. They they said it could go either way. I was I was more stunned to see Wright fall to fourth, but again at the same time I wasn't. Uh, I spend right now. I used to literally, literally work out to just you know my my hip hop music at the gym. Now all I do is work out to every possible hockey podcast, specifically junior hockey if I can. But leading up to the draft, it was I want to see what what people were saying. What what. I wanted to get analysis all over the place. And uh, I was shocked and I wasn't. It, again, you don't expect a guy who's been toted forever as he's going to be the next gen. He's the generational talent. And he definitely is. Um, but I feel like some of what came out from different podcasts I listened to and, and different coverage I've seen is that, uh, you know, maybe his game slipped a little bit. Not a ton. Obviously, he went fourth overall. His game maybe slipped a little bit, and there might have been some, I don't know, some attitude issues that a team like Montreal that's run into a lot of that over the years uh, wasn't necessarily willing to, um, or at least not the new management. I think the old management would have taken Shane Wright in a heartbeat, so good rinse to them. Um, but, you know, the, the the guys at the helm now in Montreal, uh, I don't think they want those attitude problems coming into the – organization this isn't a fan base that is good i mean i think montreal is gonna uh, swallow a little bit of a rebuild pill but uh it's a fan base that isn't going to take it for more than a year or two um i think they're going to have to if they want to you know a championship contender on the ice again but uh yeah i really wasn't surprised and honestly i loved absolutely loved seeing just the growth of the sport highlighted in this um in this draft because one and two out of Slovakia. What does that mean for the Slovakian hockey program and all the youth growing up in Slovakia, man? Yeah. And just, just before, just before I kind of dive into that, um, I just want to talk about Silva, that, that first overall pick. Um, I, my wife's a Habs fan. Um, I've said that before. Um, she wasn't a fan of right just for different reasons. And again, like attitude and that, that kind of stuff. And, to me, the the big thing is is you get a guy like Slavoski who played in the Olympics, played very well in the Olympics, always played well against you know players older than him. He's got a, he's got a couple traits that you can't teach, and those tra- those traits are six foot four, two hundred twenty nine pounds. You can't teach that. Um, you know Montreal, everyone's saying you know Shane Wright's the next you know Patrice Bergeron, or he's a, he's a Patrice Bergeron type player. Well, Montreal's got Nick Suzuki, who's been dubbed Patrice Bergeron two so do you really want – I mean, don't get me wrong. You would love to have two players like that on your team, but you don't need two players like that on your team. You have one. So why not take a monster of a winger that he can line up beside, you know, Suzuki, line up beside Caulfield, and then you have, you know, a first line. And, and he was touted as the most NHL-ready prospect. I think Montreal is kind of in that that mode where they're not – they don't want to do a full rebuild where they strip it down, kind of like Chicago's doing right now. They kind of want to retool. Um, you know, they saw Price, who can still be a very good goalie, and then, you know, he had surgery, and they said that, you know, his workload's going to have to come down because he's used to playing, like, 60 games, and they said, you know, 50 games is kind of the max where they see him playing this year. Um, so you still have a very good goaltender that that can help you out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Nemec going two, that was, to me, a, a no-brainer as well. If you watch him and, and kind of his highlights, moves the puck very well, very smart defenseman. Um, New Jersey needs one of those in the worst way. So when he got picked, that was awesome. Um, and then, I mean, and I'm going to blank on his name here, and I, I could do a little research, but, you know, we're doing this one live, so it's harder to kind of take a quick sec and, and look down. But um, uh, Montreal, I believe, traded back in to the third, had another first-round pick, and they ended up picking um, – I'm going to look it up right here. And you get you listeners are just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, and I I'm, I got the – His buddy, here. right? Yeah, it, it long you know uh, a friend from from back home and um, I want to say his name starts with the P. It's like Pavorlov or Perlov. I know I'm probably thinking of the Russian kid there too, but uh, uh, his, his kid's right, name starts with the P. Um, Phil, oh no, sorry, Philip Messer, but he played he played at a pro pad. Or pro, oh, okay, pro okay, okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, so just you know, again, just just another just another fellow countryman, a friend of his, you know, the the number two, you know, him. Um, Nesic and Messer, you know, they're, they're all friends and it was kind of, it was cool to see them get drafted together and, you know, yeah. the reaction he had when his, you know, one of his best friends got drafted second, but then one <laughs> of his best friends got drafted 26 onto his own team. Like, 
it was such a cool cool thing to see and, and uh, i saw some and excuse my like i don't want to say excuse my language but excuse me i just saw some ignorant comments about being like oh and, and i mean I, I went and played beer league and a couple of the older guys i played with were ignorant too and saying like oh you gotta pick a north american skater over a euro anytime i don't think that's true i mean hockey has grown so much since since back in the day when it was like oh you gotta pick the canadian gotta pick the american like these euros are bringing things that we've never seen to the game like they like i'm sorry but like a a six foot four 229 pound guy who is apparently just a goal scorer like you don't see that often like you draft that like if you pass on that you're insane yeah, you know, yeah pass on ovechkin pass on forsberg see how that works out yeah exactly and i mean don't get me wrong like you know number three logan cooley that was a great pick i love oh, logan yeah. cooley but to me and, and i mean shane wright falling into four people are like well what's going on you know, I I laughed his little stare down to the Montreal table after he, you know, got a jersey and all that and gave him the look or whatever. I just kind of chuckled like, you know, man, it's it is what it is. I mean, uh, apparently, and I, don't get me wrong, this is just a quote I heard when I was watching Sportsnet and they just throw things out sometimes and it drives me insane. But apparently he didn't score very well at the combine and stuff like that, like putting it up. Like, in, again, it could have just been he had some bad meetings with teams. It doesn't take long. If I go, if I have a really great meeting with – Washington Capitals, and then I go have a meeting with, you know, the Vancouver Canucks, and I absolutely blow it. And then I go to Seattle, and I absolutely blow it. Well, they start talking, being like, you know, this Sebastian guy kind of is, is a dummy. Like, we talk to him, and he just kind of free wheeler, like does whatever he wants, wild card. Like, just takes one team to get a bad feeling for that to start going around. And I mean, have you ever seen the movie Draft Day, the football movie? No, I haven't. So, anyways, a, a GM gets the first overall pick. And he's basically being forced to take this quarterback after this trade. And then he starts learning. It was like something about like how none of his teammates went to his birthday party. And so he starts looking into that and like, what's going on? Turns out he's an absolute like arse to his teammates and no one liked him. So he goes off the board and picks like this linebacker and then like trades a pick back to the guy he had traded for and basically said like, you have to take the quarterback now. And it was just kind of like, it just goes on to like how much more digging these teams do into to prospects. Like, Maybe there's something we don't know. Maybe Shane Wright isn't a great teammate. Don't get me wrong. If, he might be the greatest teammate of all time. But, you know, that's just an instant. Or maybe he's, you know, off or whatever it is. But, you know, he fell to four. I mean, it is what it is. And I, I think people are just overreacting. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's a draft. There's no set order. The team will take who they want. And you got to pick what's best for your organization. Picking the guy who's supposed to be the number one, like, yeah, he might be the number one overall prospect, but that doesn't mean it's the best player for your team, for your locker room, for your future. I mean, I think Nail Yakupov highlights that significantly. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. I mean, you look at guys you could have had way later in what was that, 2012? Was that the 2012 draft? And, uh, dude, yeah, you could have got. Yeah, it could have got hit. Andrew Vasilevsky was in that draft, and I think he was picked in the teens or the 20s, and you had guys like uh, Thomas Hurdle. Uh, I mean, and they went with the Akapov because he was the toted guy, and then you heard guys like Brian Burke say he was the worst interview he had with a kid his entire career. He's, you know, and you, you got to find the kid that's going to fit into your organization or you're going to end up with, you know, and again, it's nothing – demeaning to play of Nail Yakupov. He just wasn't going to be set for the NHL. And, you know, it could have been a development thing because they were definitely given those picks by the NHL for years on end. Um, but it, it just didn't work out. And you've got to pick the player that's going to be best for your team. Imagine the Edmonton Oilers now. I'd, we'd probably be calling them the Stanley Cup champion Edmonton Oilers if they had drafted a guy like Andrew Vasilevsky. Uh, instead of Nail Yakupov, imagine any team, honestly, with Vasilevsky yeah. on their roster was probably going to end up winning a Stanley Cup. So, uh, yeah, it's you, you've got to you've got to look beyond what the sheer numbers are and what everyone says you need to do. Uh, and dude, I think that that applies to even junior hockey. And and you look at. Uh, players that are supposed to be adding to your organization because, oh, they can just score goals. But if they're locker room cancer, I'd pass on them. I'd be like, you know what? I'll take the guy who scores 20 less goals a season. Um, that's going to build up the rest of the roster because now I can get spread the wealth because it's such a positive energy inside the locker room. And you're a head coach, so you know what you're looking for when it's talking about building a roster and, and having problems with like a locker room cancer. 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that just comes back down to, to bad, you know, if you're a head coach and you're picking a team, picking who you're picking or in a draft or just, you know, if you got an off feeling about a player, like just don't draft them. Like it, I, I feel like these fans think like, well, you know, Bob McKenzie said this guy's going to be first and he had in the last four mock drafts. Great. Well, Bob McKenzie's an analyst, not a GM for a reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, <laughs> it sometimes just comes down to to kind of like bad drafting and talking about bad drafting. Did you see the stat about the um, Winnipeg Jets? Uh, no. I think it's the last six or seven years. Don't get me wrong. I, I forget. I, I, I can look up the exact date and we'll talk about it again. But anyways, in the last X amount of years, their first round picks have amounted to 183 goals. I think it was something like 189, maybe 172 of those or something stupid was from um uh, Patrick Line. So basically, they've gotten no scoring from their first round draft picks in the last like five years or six years or something crazy like that. So um, it just made me laugh that that stat came up. And, and it kind of reminded me I mean, it was kind of like that Shane Wright situation where maybe they're just drafting who they think is going to, you know, they're not drafting for what their team needs. They're just kind of drafting that best player available. But sometimes that best player available isn't the best fit for your team. I mean, <laughs> Going back into the, into the draft, I mean, talking about a best fit for your team, I'm going to pick on your Buffalo Sabres. I think they did an absolutely great pick with oh, we Matthew Savoie out of Winnipeg, uh, the WHL. Um, that's just literally picking – I mean, Savoie, I think, kind of fell a little bit to me. I thought he was a little better than where he got drafted. That being said, I think that that was just one of those picks where it's like, hey, we need a good young center. Here's a very good young center. Let's take him there and, and not overthink of a pick. Um, there's just there's a lot like I mean it, it was just it was just a crazy draft on, on kind of seeing guys fall and guys where they ended up I mean the Detroit Detroit uh, Red Wings you know <laughs> did their their typical thing and they drafted a Swedish a Swedish board a high you know a high offensive Swedish board out of um, Marco Kaspar out of Robel you know one, one of your uh, one of your CHL teams there hey, well, um, yeah the uh, CHL champions yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're picking a young forward who's got a ton of talent and who just came off one of the biggest championships in the world. Like, such a great pick. Um, I, this, this entire draft was fun to watch. I mean, you get kids getting picked from the U18 USA program, kids getting picked from different prep schools. One thing I do want to mention, this is a shout-out to my junior B team last year. Um, we played San Andreas College at the start of the year, our very first game as a uh, exhibition game, and we lost 5-3. Now, this was a win in our books because they had like two Michigan um, commits. They had like three other, a couple Yales, Harvards, that kind of Harvards, not Yale, sorry, Harvard, and just a couple of Penn State. They had two kids drafted directly from that program into the NHL in the sixth, fifth and sixth round, I think it was. Um, so our kids were playing against literally NHL prospects at the time. So um, hung in there pretty good. So it, it was kind of cool. This draft for me kind of was cool to see just, you know, all the trades and, you know, the Debrinka trade and Ottawa making things happen. Montreal really kind of just stepping up to the plate and hitting home runs. Did you see, like, when they announced the trade? It was hilarious. They they announced that they traded um, Romanov and whatever picks for another pick, and they everyone starts booing, and you can see they pan on the general manager, and he's just got this smug look on his face. Yeah, yeah. And then Gary Bedman <laughs> goes, also, Montreal has traded those picks for – uh, you know, Kirby Doc out of Chicago and everyone goes crazy and he just picks up his drink and takes a swig of it. Like I was like, man, <laughs> this guy wanted to have some fun tonight and had so much fun. Like the NHL draft is usually so boring. It and is. I wanted to keep well, I had to go, I ended up going to, to play hockey, but I, I wanted to stay and watch because it's like it was entertaining this year and it had nothing to do with the coverage. It was just yeah. like the gyms were like, let's have fun tonight. And I, I think you know what? I think just having free aging being pushed back a little farther, the draft being pushed back a little farther. I think it gave time for, you know, GMs to have these conversations and get ready for these moves and say, you know, if this happens, then we'll do this or whatever it is. And everything fell in the, in the place. And it was just like, I laughed. It was kind of like WWE. Like it was kind of like a scripted thing where it was just like, bang, bang, bang. And everything was just happening at the same time. And it was just, it was fun to watch for once. Yeah. I, I can say that this is probably for me, the most entertaining draft I've probably ever seen, uh, especially after the last couple of years where they, they, they were honestly the forget COVID. All right. But even then there wasn't a lot happening during those, uh, events and, uh, to have it back in person, to have the crowd into it, 
and just a crazy stuff. Like I think Bettman even miscalled one of the trades uh, with the Islanders, if I'm not incorrect. Um, um, yeah, I think it was, it was the Sharks, maybe the Sharks and the Islanders, or I something think like so. that. But he yeah. basically said the team who had traded the picks and was on yeah. the clock was the reverse, and then like they're yeah. all kind of st- like I think the Sharks had traded the pick away, and they were kind of like he's like Sharks are on the clock, and they're like what? Like <laughs> we just traded it. Like what are you talking about? And talking about Gary Bettman. What, like, oh yeah, it was it was the Sharks because it was like Greer's first ever like big move, you know? Yeah, and th- and they Gary have... Bettman goes up there and screws yeah. it up, oh and like God. I I love the fans booing him, and then like he's like, "Can you just give me a second? You're gonna like this. Like, <laughs> just shut up, man. Like everyone hates you. I mean, watching is it what's his name? Bill uh, the, Daly? the deputy commissioner, Bill Bill Daly, hand out the cup yeah. was so cool because people were cheering. Yeah. Like it wasn't like it was like people were cheering and like it was a fun atmosphere for and then of course Gary Bettman comes up and he's like well I have people that are gonna talk and then he had Martin St Louis go up there and I thought that was kind of weird um, and he kind of like pumped up the crowd and then Gary Bettman comes back and he's like oh why can't I get some of that like shut up Gary like, oh, everyone hates you. you you're literally putting Phoenix instead of playing them at a Quebec in a full size NHL rink you're playing them in a three person rink. Uh, where the referees can't be on the ice because there's not enough room and they need to take a charter plane from one building to the other so they can play hockey. Like, shut up, Gary. Yeah, yeah, and they don't, they're they're not allowed, did you see they're not allowed to have the NHL logos or any of that stuff on the... The Coyotes aren't allowed to put their their logo anywhere. Yeah. Nowhere. They can't even have like a banner that says this is the home of the Coyotes. They're not allowed. (laughs) The Sun Devils are like, no. Uh, it's it's absolutely unreal. Like it, that should be the ultimate sign that they're not welcome. You're not welcome there. And the thing is, I mean, that I will say that the Arizona the Arizona Coyotes' presence there has definitely increased the the hockey presence there. I mean, like you see, the ASU program probably would be nowhere where it was without the Coyotes being there. Uh, they got a huge youth movement there in hockey, um, but. You know, I think that's been built and you you move like an AHL team there in the future or something. But to literally turn your and I think that's why, like, I've been, a you know, and people will just rib me for this one. I've always kind of been a Bettman supporter anyways, because I thought he's made some great moves and he saved the Buffalo Sabres from being relocated when uh, when our owners went to prison. So, you know, I've. I've pretty much been a big fan of the things he's done but in the last couple years i'm just like especially with the arizona god i wish i could edit this one with the arizona situation i've i'm just staring at it going you've got a full arena a full-sized nhl arena that can fit over 19,000 people in it it's brand new it's beautiful and all of us hockey fans want the quebec montreal rivalry to return to the national hockey league we want to see those baby blues hit the ice again um forget making those an alternative jersey you just got to go back to them uh when quebec does enter the league again because i feel like it it's eventually imminent but not during bettman's reign uh and the fact that they're signing on to this lease now where they have to then they're not allowed to have their logo anywhere or do anything like that but then they have to be there for three years i'm just like Okay, so you're locking them into a three-year mandatory contract without allowing them to put their logo anywhere inside your arena. That just seems like the ultimate steal of the century for very, very, maybe very greedy Arizona State University higher-ups that are going to see that money. (laughs) Um, And I don't get it, man. Like, I'm very happy that I think Arizona did a really, really good job during the draft. They ended up with some amazing talent. (sighs) <sighs> but I don't know, man. I just, I don't get it. I, I'm a loss for words on how stupid the situation is. <laughs> Talking about, it is an awful situation. Can we also talk about the awful suits they wore? Did you see those? <laughs> the minions? <laughs> they had like the matching suits. And then the owner, whoever it was, the president came on. He said, that was my idea. And you're going to see our team do this for years to come. Like, it was the inside was cool. They had like the Coyotes logos inside. Don't get me wrong, the custom part of it was cool. But you guys can all pick a different color. Um, it, I just laughed. It just made me. I, they went to ASU, joined a fraternity. They all wear you know the same suit, and it was kind of like, yeah, now we're part of ASU, so you know, go Coyotes. But it was just, yeah, the Coyotes are still a mess. Um, to all the players that got drafted, they're all great players. But 
I don't know. Not that I'd never want to knock a draft in the, in the, into the NHL, but how can you get excited that you're going to, yeah, you're going to a new rink. Don't get me wrong. That's cool. But you're like, you're going to be stuck in like a storage. Like the ASU basically doesn't, like ASU doesn't want them there. They're going to put them in like a storage locker, be like here, NHL team away teams are going to hate going there because like you're, you're not even getting an NHL locker room. You're just getting like a visitors. You're probably getting like two or three locker rooms put together. Like it's just, just what a mess. And this draft was fun because they just destroyed Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman got butt hurt, and it was hilarious to watch him be like, "Man, don't boo me." But like, other than that, I mean, it was it was, a, it was a, like I said, entertaining draft, ton of fun. Um, it, you know, it, it's I, I thought the way they did it, the way all the trades went down, and everything. Um, it, it actually got me excited for Wednesday, which is you know free agency. There's there's trades going on. Apparently, Ottawa and Toronto have a trade pending right now that would send Matt Murray to. Um, Toronto, where Toronto will actually, or Ottawa will hold most of the, the, um, the money back. But again, I, this isn't. This is just tweets. These are, you know, Elliot Freeman and analysts that are just hearing things that's going on. But I'm so excited because this offseason's been a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, if I was a Senators fan right now, I'd be super stoked about that trade. And I'm very happy as a Sabres fan that Matt Murray said the Sabres were not on his uh, trade list. So thank God. Um, because Toronto's going to make that move, and I'm sorry, I I had no faith in Murray as a Penguin. Uh, I knew, and I called it out that you know, and this was before we had a podcast. But Steve can back me up on this. I said this is a big mistake. You go with the goalie, you know, not the goalie that's up and coming. And people can say all day long, Matt Murray led them to that. He didn't lead them to that Stanley Cup. Flurry led him to that Stanley Cup. And then he lost his job on bad defense. Um, and, and again, Flurry makes Flurry level mistakes, but Flurry is Flurry. And the Penguins don't raise any cups without him being their goalie. I, I'm sorry. Um, but again, maybe I'm just a, you know, a massive Flurry supporter here, despite not liking the Penguins at all for some reason. Uh, but <sighs> Murray. Just, just... Sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I got some breaking news here after two once once you get a chance. Oh, awesome. Uh, but yeah, Murray going to Toronto. I'm just like, good. As a Sabres fan, I couldn't be any more excited about Murray being in the net for. And again, he's good enough to be in the NHL. So this is me talking, you know, shit on the level of <laughs> I was never good enough to play any real decent hockey anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, he's playing in the National Hockey League making millions. So I'm just comparing him to other NHLers. Uh, so, cause I know I'm going to get that hate too. Uh, so when we're talking about these guys in the NHL, they're making millions. So I, we have the right to, you know, be expecting, you know, specific levels of performance from them to be in the national hockey league. Um, and I don't think Matt Murray has been producing that. He sure as hell didn't do it in Ottawa. Thank God. Um, and, uh, you know, for Ottawa fans like you, um, and Sabres fans like me, we have some bright you know, goalies in the in the pan. And I know Uka Pekalukanen's been dealing with some injuries, so I don't know where we're going with him. Uh, but I feel like this is a year since we re-signed Craig Anderson for $1.5 and I love Craig Anderson, that this is a year that they're still going to heavily rely on Craig to mentor, I'm assuming, Uka Pekalukanen. And if that's not working out, I'm expecting them to look for another goalie. I don't, I don't think they'll be pulling up Devin Levi just yet, but they might be setting this crease up for Levi. I, I feel like that's, what's going to be happening. Carlton place, you know? Yeah. So it's a breaking I, think, I think, you know, Levi going back to school another year, um, definitely yeah. kind of sets that up for, you know, something down the road. Uh, but this is to me is that I'm sure someone who understands front offices of hockey better than I do are going to be like, you're an idiot when this makes sense, but it's a head scratcher for me. Uh, Colorado has promoted assistant GM uh, Brian McFarland as to the general manager position of the Avalanche, and Joe Sackick will be taking over as president of hockey operation. To me, Joe Sackick, yeah, you built a winning team, but like things aren't broke life change it that to me it's just a yeah. weird thing i'm sure there's something where all joe sack will get to do different things which is, is sure i'm true but like really like to me it's just like if you lost in the finals okay make a change but you just won the finals i just i don't understand this change yeah i don't if you you nailed it if it ain't broke don't fix it like um you know uh, 
I, I don't see the need for the change there. Uh, I'm imagining that obviously Sackick's still going to have a lot of say as the president of hockey operations on what the GM will be doing. And maybe this is just a, a posturing thing or whatever they're planning to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Sackick was a champion on the ice and, uh, you know, now he's a champion in the front office and, uh, you know, I mean, guy, guys like him and Iserman, man, it's amazing when you see guys skills translate from, on the ice to off the ice and that they still know how to win in hockey and they still know what they're looking for and they're still building the right teams and the right players. And uh, you just see that brilliance out of Tampa and you see that brilliance out of Colorado and, uh, you know, as struggling Sabres and and Senators fans here, um, we just need a touch of that. Um, you know, I want to go back to the days of old when we actually had two teams that hated each other and they were winning teams. I mean, the Heatley Alfredson Fisher versus the Heat, uh, not Heatley, but uh, Briere Drury days and Pominville. I mean, just like those were the days when we were like Emery versus Miller. I mean, those were just the days when our, honestly, the last really good days, our teams were good. I know you guys made a little bit of a run there um, a few years back and uh, that was, you know, magical for the senators fan base, but uh, yeah, it'll be good for our team to be on top again. uh, So we have a little bit more trash talking rights on this podcast, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. Again, it's just, it's been such a, a fun off season for kind of you know oh, every yeah. team. I'm 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 excited. I mean Wednesday, like I said, free agent frenzy comes up, and I'm sure some big names are going to get signed that day, and, and it kind of through that week as as contract talks get going. I mean trades are still happening left, right, and center. I just you know kind of scan through Twitter really quickly, and you know apparently the Matt Murray to Toronto trade is basically just inches away of getting completed. There's rumors there's a third team involved. Like there's just there's just so much going on. You know, RFAs are being qualified. Um, it's just RFAs are not getting qualified. It's just, it's, I'm excited. It's an exciting time for hockey. And, and I think, you know, by the time we record again, I think hockey's, the hockey uh, structure is going to look very different with different teams here. Oh, dude. And I know you got to go soon. So we're just going to throw a couple rumors out there with you that, uh, that I'm going to steal here from Puck Empire on Instagram, one of the many um, Instagram like hockey things I follow here. Uh, I won't talk about the Evander Kane stuff because I don't really care about Evander Kane. But this one is, speaking of the other Kane, uh, according to this update 28 minutes ago, there is a zero chance Patrick Kane remains with the Blackhawks past the trade deadline. Yeah, I I heard a rumor too where he has actually asked for a trade and his number one team he'd like to go to is the New York Rangers. So I don't know if that's a shot at his New York State, you know, Buffalo Sabres and doesn't want to go there, but still wants to play in his home state. But apparently New York's uh, where he wants to go. Well, I've, I've heard a couple things about that. Number one, I think he's got uh, him and Panarin are friends. Am I understanding oh, that? Too, yeah. And so yeah. he wants to be with his buddy. And of course, they're a team that's on the up and up. Buffalo is still crawling on the up and up. And again, uh, another podcast I listen to, uh, I think it's two goalies, one Mike. Um, they're out of Buffalo. So they just they talk Buffalo sports. And I think they they I think they nailed it perfectly because, again, I remember nodding at the gym and then this one guy just looking at me like I was crazy because I was just nodding in agreement with what they were saying on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, but it would be great. Like I would just I would buy a Patrick Kane Buffalo Sabres jersey in a heartbeat as is a Buffalo kid. Um, but he's had problems returning to Buffalo and there's always crap surrounding him returning to Buffalo with whether it's taxi cabs or other types of allegations. Um that uh, it's probably not the best place for him as a professional. Uh, I would, again, I think as a Buffalo Sabre, I, w- I couldn't be any more happy seeing him in a Sabres uniform, but I, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. I really do feel like what you said, that he'll end up with the Rangers. Um, and uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. And uh, yeah, there's so many rumors to just scroll through here and just looking through those sexy names, but um, like the job, the John Gibson stuff, uh, you know, I'm seeing that they're willing to retain some of his salary. I'm like, why? Uh, if, if you're getting John Gibson and not paying him full salary, that's the steal of the century. So Buffalo, <clears throat> um, 
you know, he's a solid goaltender. Oh, and the other one I wanted to talk about here, because this really fell back straight up to the Penguins dissing Flurry and sticking with Murray, and look where that landed the Penguins. Um, I think the Blues did the right thing. I, you know, it, it's an interesting trade. Uh, Huso going to Detroit, and people are like, oh, they got, you know, I still think they could have done a little bit better with that deal. Uh, I think Detroit definitely won that deal. Um, because uh, they got first dibs at him and they were immediately throwing a big money contract at him. Um, you know, and there's people I saw saying, oh, I'd have kept Huso over Bennington. I'm like, no, Bennington won you that the team's first ever cup. He is the proven goaltender in that. Um, and again, maybe it's just my uh, response for us grabbing Hutton when Hutton was hot in Nashville and then in St. Louis and we got him in Buffalo and that just fizzled away. Um, you go with the goalie that's proven himself and flurry won you cups. You should have stuck with flurry Pittsburgh paid for that. Uh, St. Louis, I don't think it's willing to go down that road. They developed two goalies. You've got amazing potential in both, but you go with the goalie that is won you that cup, the goalie that has been on the roster longer and you give up the prospect and you get something out of it. I think, I think they did the right thing there. And I think it would be a mistake for Anaheim, um, to retain any of Gibson's salary. I think, I mean, would you not pay full price for Gibson to be in Ottawa? Oh, absolutely. And I think for that, though, it just comes down to you're you're going to send him to a team who's probably more strapped for cash, um, who wants to win now and are willing to be a little crazier and give you a little more to take on that salary. So, yeah, you're going to get X amount for John Gibson. But, hey, we'll hold, you know, hold half a salary for the next two years. But we want X, X, and X, and they're like, whatever. Like, we think we're going to win the cup. We're giving you everything. You know what I mean? So, in a team who's young and don't have a lot of contracts coming up, in like, instantly, like, yeah, don't get me. Zegris is coming up. McTavish is going to be coming up, you know, in three years or whatever because they didn't burn a year's contract. And a ton of young players are coming up and needing contracts. But if you can eat his contract for two years and at 50% and retain an extra, say, first round or first and second or two first, whatever it happens to be, whatever they're not there, they're going to be comfortable with what they're comfortable with. But why not? I mean, you, you pay a little more of a salary to, to go to a team, but you're getting a lot more, you know, draft picks or, or prospects. So if you're, if you're a place like, you know, I mean, that's the one thing I think um, the Coyotes did well last year is they traded, they trade, they took on a lot of bad contracts at hundred uh, percent. But Again, I was like, yeah, sure, you can give me that player, but I want your first and second round draft pick next year. And it's like, well, okay, we'll do it. So they're they're rebuilding well. Now they just need to find an NHL. Anyway, so I'm not going to go back into that, but they need to find an arena <laughs> to let those kids play in. Yeah, yeah. they. Yeah, we definitely can't go down. Again, that could be a whole other podcast. I think it's been two of our podcasts in the last year already because it's just such a – just such a weird situation. Um, and uh, before I get two quick shout outs and we wrap this thing up, Sebastian, uh, do you want to give any guess on where you think would be the best fit for Gibson? So Gibson's already come out and apparently said he doesn't want to play in Toronto through his agent. And I don't blame him because the media frenzy there is ridiculous. Um, if I'm John Gibson and I'm looking at a team who needs a goalie, um, and, and I'm going to say this people are saying they don't have a defense, but I would probably want to go to a team who needs a goalie and contend right now. I think I'd want to go to Edmonton. Um, oh, yeah. You've got two of the best players in the world. Um, I'd want to say, you know, make sure I've got some defense in front of me, especially, you know, um, if that's a major hole on them. But um, to me, I, I just don't I don't really see another team that's kind of been a hot contender and he's goalie. I mean, he's already, he's already nixed Toronto, so maybe Edmonton. Yeah. No, I think I think you I, I would say the same thing. <laughs> like, I think that would be the best spot for Gibson. And I think Edmonton needs to make a major play for him um, I, again. But uh, if I was Anaheim, I wouldn't be willing to. Ret- again, like you said, it could work out in their favor to retain some salary and keep some of it on their books. Um, uh, as they're probably not going to really need it the next couple years and they can get some, like you said, maybe a striking good deal out of it. Um but as we wrap this thing up, I do want to say congratulations to, it looks like, Cameron Lund, Hunter McDonald, Matt Lindgren, Jackson Dorrington, Cameron Whitehead, and Tyler Muselik, Uh, The six players that were USPHL alumnus that got drafted this year. Um, you know, dude, it's uh, there's no single one way to hawk, you know, NHL stardom and, and, and playing an NHL career. And... For all those that don't get drafted, I mean, look at it. Giordano 
first time he was ever drafted was in the expansion draft with Seattle. And I mean, listen to the words of Marty St. Louis in, in Montreal. Like this is his first draft. I mean, he was another guy that was just overlooked and not drafted guys like Tim Thomas. I mean, was Tim Thomas ever drafted? I know he was a late entry in from Europe, but uh, I don't think Tim Thomas was ever really drafted. Yeah. Off the top uh, of my head. I don't think so. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and guys like Lundquist drafted seventh round. So if they were drafted in the seventh round, like, oh, whatever, it's a seventh round draft pick. Well, there's guys who were drafted first overall that turned out to be nothing. And guys who were drafted at the second last pick of the draft that went on to have an all-star career. So um, whether you were drafted earlier or drafted late or not drafted at all, um, you know, it, it goes to show there's no one way to NHL um, stardom. And uh, having these six guys that had played in the USPHL get drafted this year um, just goes to show that it is a excellent league that's able to develop in, you know, and t- t- you can pick any league and start looking at who got drafted out of it. It's uh, if you work hard, you'll get noticed. And that's what it boils down to. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's again, like you said, there's not one way to the NHL. There's not one way to wherever career path whatever there's always a million different ways to get there so if you're a player out there and you know maybe your draft year went by for whatever league doesn't matter if it's junior a nhl wherever um just keep working uh if you know the dream only dies when you let it die so keep putting in the work and uh you know if you're enjoying what you're doing keep doing it absolutely and uh, this is where we'll wrap it up. But uh, remember, before we do wrap up, uh, make sure to listen to Thursday's episode where we talk to the head coach and general manager of the newly purchased and rebranded Provo Predators in the USPHL's Mountain Division, uh, Nick Dreyer. Uh, we had a great conversation with him, or at least I did. And uh, it, it's a really interesting awesome episode you should definitely give a listen to and again that will drop on thursday but that said this was a quick drop unedited episode of pigeonhole hockey uh this is chris and sebastian thanks for listening and remember listeners always clear your crease